Welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees rewatching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are celebrating the horror legacy that is Halloween by covering Halloween H2O and prepping for Halloween Kills coming to theaters and Peacock later this month. I'm super stoked for this. I am too. <laughs> I'm surprised that you're super stoked. You don't you don't typically like the spooky time movies. I don't. I don't usually. I like it because of Jamie Lee Curtis. I think it, I didn't see the very first Halloween till maybe middle school. And because my mom told me I needed to watch it. <laughs> Christine <laughs> with her horror movie. <laughs> And so um, I had a sleepover with some of my friends and we watched it. And my stepdad at the time thought it would be really funny to go put on a hockey mask, which wrong movie, and scare us while we watched the movie. And I was, I, I damn near pissed myself. So <laughs> <laughs> I saw the first movie and then in the 90s, this one came out and the 90s was just a different time. Like, I don't know if I can go back and watch a lot of the older horror movies and I'm mm-hmm. not really into the, like the campy ones. I get scared. We all know I'm a scaredy cat, but I can definitely do 90s horror or Flashers. slasher. Yeah. Slasher to be correct. Yes. Oh, wow. So tell us about Halloween H2O, Jackie. What are we in for? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Halloween H2O was released in 1998 and follows Lori Strode 20 years after her six-year-old brother murdered her older sister. Lori has a new identity in life as Carrie Tate, the headmistress of a private school and mother to a 17-year-old son, John. Michael tracks down Lori and attempts to finish the task he began two decades ago. This movie stars the OG screen queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis, as well as LL Cool J, Adam Arkin, Michelle Williams, Adam Hunbird, and is the first role for both Josh Hartnett and Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. It was so cool to see a baby Taylor Vaughn in this movie. I'm very excited about that. (laughs) You (laughs) know why you're a Taylor Vaughn stan. I, I don't know how you're not. I don't know how you're not. <laughs> uh, the characters are by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And the movie was written by Robert Zappia and Matt Greenberg and included uncredited rewrites from Kevin Williamson. He was also the executive producer on it. And it was directed by Stephen Miner. You can watch it on AMC Plus or purchase on iTunes for $16.99 or rent on iTunes for $3.99. Where did you watch it, Danielle? You know I got that free AMC plus seven-day okay, free trial. <laughs> I wasn't paying for this shit. I, I opted to rent instead of buy. If it were like 10 bucks or less, I would have bought it, but I was happy with my $3.99 rental. <laughs> I I mean, before we dive in, I think we definitely should talk about like, first of all, Kevin Williamson during this time period was untouchable the fucking time of his life. Yeah, he was everywhere. Um, And when you were talking about like why, well, you said that he wasn't credited. I mean, the script for this movie went through a whirlwind. I mean, 
it started off one way, ended up another. I think Jamie Lee Curtis went on, on <laughs> went on to say, look, at first I was real excited about getting this movie done and I had a vision. And then at the end, it was a paycheck. And you know what? Yep. It's the most relatable thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it, but I was not mad at this movie. Yeah, but, no, no, me either. But- But before we get started, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best, would plan repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same day rental. Trash. Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Danielle, what was your Y2K rating? It was definitely a five-day rental. I didn't, I didn't buy it, but I remember, yes, everybody, hold the phones. I remembered the movie and I liked it. (laughs) What? You remembered Number one, you just, you remembered a movie. I'm very proud of you. And number two, it was a horror movie. So I'm doubly proud of you. Unless it scarred you in a way that it like seared itself in your brain. Nope. Mm -mm. I just, I remember, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I remembered it. And I I remembered that I liked it. Mm -hmm. Good. Excellent. I'm proud of you. (laughs) I am proud of all my friends today. (laughs) Y2K Jackie would definitely would buy it. I bought it. Um, Give me horror. Give me Jamie Lee Curtis. Give me LL Cool J. I'm down for it. Um, So we were talking about Kevin Williamson and how he was everywhere. And apparently the reason why he didn't get a credit on this movie, because I had no idea he was even associated with it was because there's a rule in the Writers Guild of America that if you are writing on a sequel, you have to have written at least 33% of the movie to be credited, which that's interesting. Which, like, so if there are more than three writers on it, can only three writers ever get credit for it? Is it not like a song where you could have eight people listed? Yeah, that sounds real wonky to me. I wouldn't, like, even as a writer, I wouldn't even do it. But I guess, I mean, for Kevin, it's a paycheck. But for Kevin Williamson at that time, if he was just like a nobody, I get it. It's getting a foot in the door, but he wasn't. So I think it's because he wrote two scripts originally and he wrote it with Jamie Lee Curtis and it just did not end up being the one that they went with. So I think that's why he just stayed on on set and was doing, you know, corrections at the time, but still, but talking about the movie, it made 55 million domestically, 16 million of which came in its opening weekend and it debuted number three behind Saving Private Ryan and Snake Eyes. <laughs> the movie had a budget of $17 million. So it did well, considering how much it made. And uh, with inflation from a 20, I have 2017, it would have been about $104 million, which is pretty not bad. Good money. 
and it is the shortest of all the Halloween movies to date with a running time time of 86 minutes. So bitch, I was get in, get out. (laughs) (laughs) So happy when it ended, I was like, oh shit, this is it. Okay. All right. I can I can fuck with this. It was not too long. (laughs) At the time of the movie when it came out in 98 it made the most money out of all the horror i put horror-esque movies because the only thing that beat it or was Blade. hold on say, say that movie uh, that genre again <laughs> i said horror-esque <laughs> i don't know <laughs> because your, your new york came out <laughs> that <laughs> horror movie horror <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn baby um so Blade was the only movie at the time that was horror that beat it with 70 million dollars I said horror-esque because some people don't think of Blade as a horror movie but trailing behind it was the faculty at 40 million dollars I still know what you did last summer at 40 million and Urban Legends at 38 million dollars interesting yeah and just Hartnett was also in the faculty yes he was filming both of these movies at the same time jackie that's, that's crazy. why his hair looked crazy in faculty and this oh danielle <laughs> oh danielle how did he and jamie lee curtis have the same haircut <laughs> but she wore it better it's like <laughs> those celebrity couples or just couples in general who start looking like each other the way they dress <laughs> But then she had the nerve to be talking shit about him because he kept on wearing this beanie or something. So she made fun of him quite a bit, just like him not wanting to be like a celebrity. So his way to cap was put on a beanie between takes. I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I'm um, not mad it at it. Didn't, it didn't do anything for your hair, sir. <laughs> We had to talk about it. It's just like when we all do, uh, was it Scream 3 or 2 with Courtney Cox? Oh, the bangs. The bangs. The, the bangs. bangs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into this damn movie. So it opens, Mr. Sandman is playing, which is a callback to Halloween 2. There's some aggressive pumpkin carving straight out the gate. Like yeah. a girl like takes a butcher knife and just stabs the shit out of a pumpkin i'm like (laughs) this is how we're starting out we're coming in hot i didn't think of it as a bad thing because when now i associate pumpkin carving with you and i it was i was a grown-ass woman the first time i ever carved a pumpkin with jackie and so now it's just good memories i didn't even think about her stabbing the shit out of me (laughs) i do love to carve pumpkins it's one of my superpowers (laughs) we see a title screen it says October 29th 1998 there is a nurse she's still wearing like kind of old-timey nurses outfit even though it's 98 but she got that cigarette in her mouth oh gosh she was chain smoking (laughs) she notices the light outside her house is broken and that her door is slightly ajar I was proud of her yeah. she went next door she didn't try to go in the house she knew yes i need to go get someone 
I feel like this movie, people made better decisions. It wasn't 100%, but they made better decisions. And that lady, her name is Nurse Marion. Um, and she apparently was in uh, the second Halloween mm-hmm. um, movie. And then she came back for H2O. <laughs> so yes, Nurse Marion goes next door to her neighbor's house. A very fresh-faced Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> answers the door. Did you yell? Because um, I did. I, I like, did. <laughs> I was like, hey, look at him. It's Joseph. <laughs> but when he first answers the door he scares the shit out of marion because he's wearing a hockey mask a la jason getting a little meta in this (laughs) realm of halloween turns out he's just an asshole that likes hockey (laughs) and he plays like this teenage kid he thinks he's big and bad and so it's him and his friend, who I just refer to as Kenny's friend from Camp Hardly Yes. <laughs> they go over, well, they call the police first and they're like, the police said they're going to take 15 minutes to get here, which I don't know. Why? What's going on in that town? It is, ho- I will say it's Halloween. I give them that. It's Halloween. And, and it's he- just a break, like a B&E. Like yeah. it's not. Somebody's bleeding to death yet. It is. It escalates quickly. Yeah. And so Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays Jimmy, decides, I'll, I'll go in. I got my hockey stick. I'll beat the shit out of anyone in there. I just thought of the kids from those um, demons from Dogma. That's all. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> so Jimmy goes in, checking everything out. Uh, really, the only thing out of place is Marion's office. All of her files are all over the floor. Um, and the file with Lori Strode's uh, information is empty. Right. Which we find out, I mean, the reason I was like, why does she even have these files? Apparently she must've teamed up with the original, what's that guy's name? Doctor. Was he the doctor or the police detective? I thought he was the psychiatrist that worked with Michael Myers in the Institute. He, he might be. I, I can't remember. Loomis. It's something Loomis. Okay. Yeah. She and Loomis has had become partners. So yeah, maybe he is a psychiatrist. I don't know why I thought he was a detective. Well, cause he had crazy detective wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lori's file is missing and so then Jimmy decides to go into the kitchen accidentally hits the pots and pans with his hockey stick scares the shit out of himself makes a mess in the kitchen steals some beers and then walks back out and he's like everything's good they fucked up your kitchen in the the office peace we're out And so him and Kenny's friend leave. So she goes in and she's kind of looking around. This is probably for me, the most suspenseful part of the movie because she's standing at the front door and you you can see Michael Myers behind her. And I'm like, bitch, you better run. Like, why did she go in before the cops came? I mean, even though they, I still would have been like, I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'll sit outside. I'll sit in my locked car. I'll go to a neighbor's house and lock their doors and chill like something yeah. where I'm around other people, preferably with lots of weapons. Oh, and her electricity is also not working. 
Yeah, there's no way. I Red flag. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't feel safe. And she does go, she goes next door. Well, because she, the back door opens. So Michael leaves out the back and she turns around and notices the back door is open. So she gets that feeling like, bitch, not, I'm not alone. I need not be here. Yeah. yeah. Runs next door. Jimmy the thief got what was coming to him because he got a ice skate <laughs> to the face. I don't think, okay. Stealing beers and getting killed are not equivalent things, Jackie. In horror movies, they are. So it's what I feel like it, if I care to elaborate on Randy's rules of surviving a horror film, one of them is don't be an asshole and don't steal shit because the kill is going to come get you. Karma. Well, I just think that the whole well the whole time I was watching the movie I just kept asking myself what the fuck is Michael's motivations bitch is crazy I get like but I even feel like crazy people still have motivations why kill Jimmy the job but what job Jimmy what Jimmy had nothing to do with this he doesn't care I'm really surprised that the girl the little girl tinkling in the rest side stop lived okay Uh, we'll get there so the friend is also dead he has a knife to the back i just feel like maybe michael should have updated his weapon weaponry it seems to work it it does it works because people are dumb okay and he only has one knife y'all come on y'all i was just no no but like he took the knife from the house like he just grabs a knife for it. It's not like he carries his own knife with him. I'm sure he has his preferred knife, but if that's not accessible, he ain't picky. But what happens, Michael, if I knock your knife out? What is Michael doing after that? Danielle, this man survived a fire. He is <laughs> unkillable, which usually goes against the movies that I like because I like a killer that can be killed. But I'm not mad at Michael Myers. Maybe because he's not after me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think one of the my favorite things about some of the horror movies or even like sci-fi is just finding what the killer's Achilles heel is or a way to kill them. And the fact that this man keeps getting up. Keep, like it, He does that city up so creepy legs straight out in front of him sits up from the waist which takes a lot of core I'll give him credit (laughs) so I will say I'm very proud of Marion the bitch fights yeah she fought to the end she grabbed that fire poker she was hitting him with it stabbing him she almost gets out She's at a window. She busts out the window and is screaming because the cops are now at her house next door. So she's screaming over here, over here. And unfortunately, she gets her throat slit by Michael. The police go into her house. They're like, oh, no one's here. Like, coast clear. But then notices dead Marion or presumably dead Marion based on the facts of Halloween kills. No, she's hanging out the window. She's dead. Yeah, they see from next door that the glass is broken and then they see that 
that she's dead. So, and then I'm sure they find the other bodies. And then we see Jamie Lee Curtis waking up from a, well, they have like a little bit of a flashback, a montage first, Mm -hmm. where you see kind of things from the past movies and you hear um, Loomis's voice, which isn't really Loomis's voice. He died in 95. And so they asked none other than SpongeBob SquarePants to to do to do the voice. I mean, not actually, but the voice actor Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Could you imagine if he did it in SpongeBob's voice? The yeah. whole thing. So yeah, and it would have been I, hilarious if he did it. <laughs> he needs to go back and redo that scene, but as SpongeBob. Please, Donald, if you're listening, Um, the people wants it. So after the montage, we see Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Lori, and I'll probably just be calling her Jamie Lee Curtis, wake up frantic from a horrible nightmare. And so after watching this movie, what I can say is that I believe this movie was about breaking generational curses and working through trauma. I, like I said, I was not mad at this movie at all. It depicted absolutely someone who had been traumatized at a very early age and continues to be traumatized by a family member. Pretty real depictions of that. The nightmares, the amount of medication she's on, the like almost hallucinations where she thinks she sees things and she has to use strategies to calm her brain down and relax so that she can just get through the fucking day. I was very impressed with how well they portrayed her as this very traumatized person and how she's coping to the best of her abilities and how it affects her relationships. The fact that she even has a kid is insane to me. And being absolutely, able to, but it's very true to so many people going through their lives who have been physically assaulted, who've been sexually assaulted, who've just gone through major trauma. I think that you could definitely relate to this movie and to this character and her just wanting to face those fears and and kind of take control of her life yes and so she wakes up in a panic her son played by josh hartnett same haircut um comes (laughs) into the room he's like okay let me go get you some pills her entire medicine cabinet is just wall-to-wall prescription bottles of medication yeah um so you you recognize that she she has some serious trauma and and has she needs help yeah, I wonder if she's in a support group with Sydney Prescott because they they <laughs> probably have a lot to relate to. Oh, I did want to say that in that weird SpongeBob montage at the beginning, <laughs> it said that Lori Strode was killed in an automobile accident. And so essentially she has faked her own death and reinvented herself as Carrie Tate. And so that's who everyone knows her as, but her son knows her history in that her little brother killed her sister and has been tormenting her her entire life. 
Yeah. That's so that's fun. Insane. So now we're in Summer Glen, California. I was very confused about the living situation, the school. So it seemed like because she was headmistress, she had her own house but it was like a fucking mansion yeah on campus yeah they're within the walls because I had to ask myself if she was living outside of the campus why would Michael feel a need to even come to the school so a hundred percent it just didn't seem like based on the kitchen in the one dorm room we see there are not and it's not enough space to house all those children that go off to Yosemite <laughs> I think this movie should be called I should have taken my ass to Yosemite <laughs> I mean problem solved <laughs> and I think it would have been a better movie I don't know just from a horror movie standpoint if she didn't give in and like she made him stay and then this happened like obviously more traumatic for her but the fact that because him staying home she very quickly realizes he stayed home so it wasn't like (laughs) it added anything to the story no so just to fast forward some other some details because we don't have to go through all of it but pretty much you start to get an idea of the character's relationship between Lori and her son and just what the trauma has become for him now being almost a caretaker for his mom Mm -hmm. he wants to live a normal life and be a normal 17 year old I mean which I, I don't know if it's exactly his birthday or he just turned 17 and his mom is very overprotective dueling because of what has happened to her in the past but he can't breathe and so mm-hmm. they're having a struggle there they he goes to the private school his mom is working at um and the mom is also dating one of the teachers their the counselor the counselor um and they're having a relationship and he at the time of the movie does not know what anything about her backstory or anything like that back to the sun I'll stick to the sun he wants to go on a trip to Yosemite with the rest of the school um the mom says hell fucking no (laughs) and then we're introduced to his friends later down the line um, once he gets to school which is Michelle Williams is his girlfriend but we meet Jody Jody Lynn O'Keefe first Mm -hmm. and his other guy friend who I'm going to just his name's Charlie but I'm gonna call him Jumanji boy I watched this with Johnny and he goes, you know who that is? <laughs> and I was like, he looks familiar. And then she, he said, um, what's his name? Alan, it'll come to me or I'll get to it in my my notes. But yeah, I was like, oh, that is that is Jumanji. Yeah. And so, like once he said it, I could not unsee it. Yeah, he, Adam. Alan Parrish. Alan Parrish. And yep. his real name is Adam Hanbird. Um, he plays Charlie. And so it seems like the four of them are like double dating. They're both dating each other. Jody, I don't know what she saw in Ooh. Charlie, but you same know. Same girl, same. <laughs> but originally Charlie was supposed to be the killer in this movie. The whole premise was going to be that there, that Michael Myers wasn't actually coming back, but right away there was 
a copycat killer and it was going to be Charlie. They scrapped that pretty early on going back to us talking about it earlier that the script was a hot mess. They also had a premise where Michael impregnated a nurse when he was in a psych in the psychiatric ward. And then it was like his son was the killer in this movie at one point. Michael, I'm sorry. It's like Michael is cannot like they cannot do a movie where Michael has kids. He is not functioning on a level where he's going to have sexual intercourse with someone. It, it's just he, he looks, only has one level and that's stab. People. Yes, stab. <laughs> and not with his penis, with a knife. <laughs> True. You're not wrong. But anyway, so <laughs> We find out Michelle Williams' dad didn't pay tuition, so she was washing dishes. I don't know why that was a subplot that went know. nowhere, but we anywhere. need to, we I need guess to because... ground this rich white white girl, and um, I think it's the <laughs> washing the dishes. She's still at a private school. Yeah. The only person of color I saw, correct me if I'm wrong, is LL Cool J, who plays the, the guard at the gate. I mean... There might have been like a extra oh, in class. There was there was she wasn't seen, but LL Cool J's wife. He had a movie, lot of lines. He had a lot of lines. Well, and, and we're really, only speculating that she's a person of color. Yeah, that's true. I'm a little annoyed. Like, why? Yeah, it's just LL Cool J. I'm not. We're not even gonna go into yeah. into it. So then we see. John, the son, and Molly. Is that her name? Michelle, Michelle Williams', Williams character. character. We see them like the the kissing, the kissing <laughs> in this movie was awkward as fuck. I you know what? I never paid attention to it. I somehow I like didn't even pay attention to it. Um, like even John was like my brother. John was like. That was weird. I was like, it was weird. <laughs> I wonder if Michelle Williams got the role because of Kevin Williamson, because she was on um, Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. But she was also very young when Dawson's Creek came out. So I wonder if maybe the kissing was a little weird. I, I have to wonder how old she was when she did this movie. She might yeah. have been young. Well, and she was cast without ever even seeing a Halloween movie. So I'm, I'm not surprised. So um, it cuts to a scene of a lady driving the oldest car ever. Like it looks like it's straight out of the 1920s and it's her and her daughter and her daughter has to tinkle real bad. Her daughter's maybe like five or six. And so they find a rest stop and, and they prop the door open and they go in and she's rooting around in her purse because there's no toilet paper. The little girl's humming away and doing her business. There's so many things. First of all, I probably would have peed in the, in the open field before I went into that bathroom. Oh, that's what I said. I'm like, there is no one around. Just have her pop a squat somewhere. Right. I would have popped a squat too. Um, secondly, in that scary situation, I would have held the door for, door for my daughter first and let her pee. Mm -hmm. And then she would have been in the stall with me while I peed. I would have mm -hmm. never let her be in the stall by herself. Yeah. And as soon as she saw that man lurking and stole 
because Michael comes into the bathroom, closes the door and steals her purse. I, I would have had my daughter crawl under to me if mm-hmm. I had done the stupid thing and let her be in the bathroom by herself. Um, I don't know what the purpose of that scene was. I don't know if it was to tell us that he has some morals that he won't kill children or if it was, I don't he know just what it needed was. needed a ride. Well, because we see Jimmy's parents' car, I'm assuming, yeah. that Michael stole and it had a blown out tire. And so he needed another ride on his way up to uh, kill Lori. Um, the little girl's name was Casey. Like which Casey I, Becker? Yeah, which I felt was a throwback to Casey Becker, which I thought was cute. Yeah, there were a Um, lot of um, inner jokes, inside jokes between this Halloween referencing Scream because Scream made so many references to Halloween. So we'll go through a few of those as we're going along. So now it's the next day. We find out that this camping trip that John wants to go on is actually a school trip. Um, and she's refusing to let him go. And then we see mama. (laughs) We see Janet Lee. I literally yelled mommy. And John (laughs) looked at me. I was like, that's her mommy. That's Janet Lee of psycho. And he was like, Oh, okay. But yeah, she is so precious in this movie. They did three roles together this being one of them and she plays Lori's secretary but she's very motherly towards her as well which is just so precious (laughs) then we meet the boyfriend Will who is the counselor at school and then we meet Ronnie the guard played by LL Cool J he's writing erotic novels while he's (laughs) Manning to his wife yeah and he's constantly on the phone with his wife reading her his latest chapters (laughs) for his erotic novels yeah (laughs) very interesting we see john and alan Parrish go up to the gate and convince ronnie to let them out because he's under strict orders never to let john out of the facility but he keeps letting him out and he keeps i'm not putting my job out on the line for this teenager who keeps that's what i thought i'm like what is john doing for you ronnie (laughs) it's not like he's slipping him any money or anything like that yeah i'm like you have aspirations to be something bigger than this one day just do your job, do it well. And then one day you'll get that erotic money and you won't have to worry about it anymore. And so John needs to go into town to get a gift for Molly because they're staying behind. The four friends are staying. Um, And so I do love how there are teenagers in this movie, but there wasn't like this overt sexual situation happening where the boys are plotting to try to you know have sex I -hmm. did appreciate that a good nod to that I agree and so Jamie Lee Curtis and Will the counselor are having lunch in town at a little cafe she's day drinking because that's what mama (laughs) do I love when 
<laughs> she asked for another Chardonnay. She got a full Chardonnay. And that man was just looking at her. D- judge your mama, as my friend Nakia would say. <laughs> what did, I asked for another Chardonnay. It don't matter if I haven't finished this one yet. Did I hesitate? <laughs> Give me my damn wine. God damn it. I'm having a bad day. It's the anniversary of my sister's death. Her titties were out and it was, she was murdered by my six-year-old brother at the time. And the continued anniversary of my brother keep on coming back to try to kill my bitch ass. Although if I were her, like, lock me up in a jail cell. Yep. And sedate me. Yeah. Like (laughs) lock me in a jail cell get rid of all the keys don't tell a bitch where the keys are not until tomorrow and even you may have to plasma cut my way out of this cell if he kills everyone trying to get at me but at least i know i'll be protected (laughs) (laughs) so anyway Lori sees john strolling down the street and she's pissed He's talking to Ellen Parrish about how his mom's a functioning <laughs> alcoholic. Wait. And she's like, what you say? <laughs> and then she's like, what the fuck are you doing out here? I love hearing Jamie Lee Curtis curse. <laughs> so she's like, do you know what day it is? Like, why the fuck are you pulling this shit on the day that my brother kills my sister and continually comes after me like bitch don't play I told you to stay home stay the fuck home and so he's all pissed off because he's 17 and angsty and she's overbearing and then we see Molly doing dishes gotta pay for her tuition I think I missed that part too I think I might (laughs) have just ignored Michelle Williams in this movie did you ignore how thin her eyebrows were yes I don't talk about other people's eyebrows it's a (laughs) sensitive topic for me (laughs) it's none of my business it's none of my business and it's none of yours either leave that girl alone (laughs) I'm sorry I'm bringing up your past trauma I will move on she hears the dumb waiter come down and if you don't know what a dumb waiter is, it's a mini elevator that in old houses and I guess schools and stuff, they would use to send items up and down the flights of stairs so you didn't have to carry shit. She goes over, assuming that it's another load of dishes for her to do, and it's roses in a map. She's very excited. She takes down her hair and tosses it out <laughs> because she going on a date. It made me laugh because for a second I was like, did Michael make this map? It did seem. <laughs> He's it just luring like... people out with like a kid drawn map. <laughs> it seemed childlike. So I was like, oh, Michael's drawing. Okay. <laughs> she goes down to the boiler room naturally. And that's where they have like their little secret spot where they can hang out and do whatever and not get caught so he has a little table set apparently they're having dinner i don't know who's cooking them dinner did he get dinner in town don't know what the situation he might have it from the cafeteria because when later on in the movie when they're having their buffet um they got all the meals from the oh, kitchen that's right so maybe that's right. where this is when he divulges 
that he's never been allowed to celebrate Halloween because he has, I wrote down the quote, (laughs) we've got a psychotic serial killer in the family who loves to butcher people on Halloween. The bitch does not react at all. She's like, oh, (laughs) you've never celebrated Halloween. I'm sorry. So many questions. Sorry. Did you not? hear what he said that was a whole lot of shit to unpack but she's not the only one that had a weird reaction because when Lori later tells her boyfriend you know that story about the man who killed he killed my sister blah blah blah. he's she's telling him and he is trying to like suck on a nipple or something he 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 wants to bone her he He wants to bone her I wrote down what he said hold on (laughs) he says sorry that's sucky when she first tells him and then continues on to say take off your clothes Mm. and then when she gives him that look bitch he's like oh you're serious why would she not be serious you've been trying to get her to open up for all these years is she just did she make this up just to get out of having sex with you? You don't, that, need, you don't need an excuse. As we said in our previous episodes, all you had to say is, I don't want to have sex. 1000%. <laughs> yeah. So, so both of them don't like acknowledge what's being said to them very well. Not the uh, brightest group. Yeah. So now there's more awkward kissing. Then we see John <laughs> and Molly in class. So this is where I got a little confused because not only is she a headmistress, she's teaching some sort of English lit. <laughs> she needs the money for the double psychiatry duty. Bills. <laughs> <laughs> is that why she's dating a counselor? So that she <laughs> has some free services rendered? I don't know. But yeah, she's teaching as well. But I think at this point, Molly, in the corner of her eye, sees Michael yes he the has way, arrived the way she reacts again is just like did i see that because a bitch would have been like what the fuck was that did you guys see that guy outside i would have lost my mind <laughs> there's a man in a white mask and then Lori <laughs> would have pissed herself yes <laughs> <laughs> and then also in this scene prior to seeing michael outside the gates uh john is like doing goofy stuff and making her laugh. But one of the things he does is he like pretends to like have a pen up his nose, which is like how he sold drugs in the faculty. Yes. Yes. He was always putting those pens in his mouth and stuff like that. And he was putting the drugs. Yes. Yeah. So he was filming these movies at the same time. They probably were like, would you stop playing with that pen? He's like, it's a part of my role. Can you put it in here? They probably didn't even realize that's what he was doing. And then he made this weird faculty Halloween connection just because he happened to be shooting both movies at the same time. This is when Lori finally tells John, I'm being overprotective. Here's your permission slip. You can go on the field trip. I don't know why as the headmistress, she like has to physically sign a permission slip but whatever. <laughs> um, and then after he leaves the office, he kind of like just trashes the permission slip and he's like, I'm not going, I'm staying here with y'all. And then you hear the first swell of the Halloween theme music. Yeah. 
um so she signs it and the the buses that go by that she's trying to catch they don't have any seats in them it's just a fun note yeah this was uh i guess a low budge production they were cutting corners so they just bought a bunch of buses and didn't (laughs) know or didn't care that they didn't have seats in them and so and I read this before I watched the movie. And so I was like, looking like, oh yeah, they're all just standing up, hanging out the window. Look there. Have I just, fun with your, not only no seatbelts, but no fucking seats <laughs> on the way to Yosemite, which is a buck up, bunch of fucking windy mountain roads. Yes. So she runs outside to say goodbye to John thinking he's on the buses and she runs into her assistant and her assistant literally says can I be maternal for a moment (laughs) and then like gives her this sweet pep talk oh it just made me so happy and then she gets into a car Mm -hmm. and what kind of car was it Danielle Jackie that's a trick question (laughs) because you know I don't know I'm gonna say blue car and it was the car from psycho it was the car from psycho (laughs) The license plate even says NFB 418, which are Norman Bates initials. And so even the license plate is the second car Marion buys in Psycho. So, oh, so we're back to Ronnie and he's still reading his stories to his wife. This part annoys me. So he sees this raggedy old car and when i'm saying old it's not like an old beat up civic or something this car straight up looks like um like almost a model t like it is fucking old the car a groundskeeper would would have in like all i kept thinking about was the 101 dalmatians cartoon my brain went there too yeah that's what i thought Yes. And so this car is just idling outside the gate and Ronnie's like, well, that's weird. Let me go investigate. And this again, okay. So we're going to have a segment. If we're going to continue to do these scary movies, it's going to be called rules of black life. We would never ever do a black person would not be opening that gate if they see a car just outside because they're not answering. Oh no, we're doubling down. We're going back into our space. We're locking the door and we're calling Popo and said, I don't know why there's a car outside. No, I'm not trying to go approach it. Well, especially LL being a a self-proclaimed Uber fan of Halloween the first time he watched it was nine when his mom took him to see the original. Why isn't he fighting? Like, that's not how we deal with these things. Well, Make it more realistic. It I could understand. have easily been like Ellen Parrish distracts Ronnie and John opens the gate to sneak out. And then Michael sneaks in, you know, yeah. like that would have been much better. Well, this is just why there's sometimes there's issues. Like I think that you can have white writers write for other people. Um, but there are just things. And I'm not saying that they're not dumb black people. Because they are. I see it all day, every day. I but, mean, we're not a fan of Marlon Wayans and his acting. So. No. 
But I can say that there are just some things that as a, as a group, we wouldn't do because we've been through stuff and it just doesn't make sense to us. And opening that goddamn gate was one of them without reason. Cause no, no, no. <laughs> Cause if I, I it would have been funny if his wife would have been like, don't you dare open that damn gate. I know. <laughs> hmm. But luckily he doesn't get killed in that particular scene. It's true. He's around. So now Michael's inside because while Ronnie's fucking with the car, Michael just strolls right in doing hot killer shit. Going in to <laughs> finish his task. <laughs> Hot killer shit, Jackie. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, the party's about to get started. So Ronnie goes back inside, picks up the phone to talk to his wife, realizes the phone line's been cut. To which mm. my Johnny said... How do the killers always know where the phone line is? It. <laughs> it's, like, a, it's in their course training. It's like <laughs> it's second semester of killer killer university. <laughs> it's called cut them lines, bitch. <laughs> so Lori is standing outside her house and she sees Michael walking to her. So she uses her strategies <laughs> closes her eyes but he's still fucking walking and she's like shit ain't right when i saw the scene ain't right i'm by myself watching this movie but the way i hollered in this scene <laughs> and laughed so then we cut to the girls in their dorm room watching scream 2 with CC played by Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, the counselor is going to go check on all the students who stayed. The way this man knocks on that door. It was too. Mm, it like was so finish. aggressive. Yeah. And then he makes inappropriate jokes. Yeah. The banter between these three, between the girls and this, this counselor slash teacher was very weird. And I don't remember what he said, but it, I just, I didn't like it. <laughs> Once he makes his rounds and checks on everyone, he goes back to Jamie Lee Curtis in her house. And that's when he's trying to get his bone on yep. and she's telling him about her, her life story. And he's like, uh-huh, that's nice. Take your titties out. <laughs> <laughs> just let me see a nip. Just, a <laughs> just, just one. <laughs> and then she like looks at the mantle above the fireplace and that's where one of john's birthday cards is and it says happy 17th birthday and she had just gotten done telling will that she was 17 when the shenanigans um, started correct side note history of halloween because johnny looked it up for me <laughs> so she was in the first Halloween movie when Michael's sister was killed. She was two. He was six. And then her, their sister was a teenager. Yeah. 
So in Halloween two, Lori becomes the protagonist, but she had been adopted out to another family. And that's why her last name is not Myers. And her stepdad, for some fucking reason, decides, oh, that Myers house is up for sale. Can you run the keys by the house and makes Lori go back to like murder house where like her family was murdered? I don't know. I don't pretend to know a whole lot about Halloween, but I don't know if she knew that she was adopted or if she was so young, she didn't really remember, but quickly found out when Michael was coming after her, but that's just the history of Lori. Yeah, that's so dramatic. Um, so then she realizes it's John's 17th birthday, which is when all the shit went down with her. <laughs> and so she runs to the phone, phone lines cut. and then she runs into john's room and she sees his camping stuff still in his closet so she's like that bitch didn't go and now she's really fucking mad because not only does she have to deal with serial killer brother she's got to find her son he's not safe in yosemite yosemite or die correct Yosemite or die. Hashtag Yosemite or die. <laughs> she does have a revolver, which she pulls out. The way, the way that Jamie Lee Curtis carries her get, I'm going to call it a get for the way that she's trying to be badass with it was super fucking weird. She just kept shoving it in her pants. What? It was so weird. And the way she couldn't, when she finally needed that shit, she was pointing that shit around at everybody. And when she finally needed it, she couldn't fucking get it. I was like, what's happening right now? Get your gat ready, girl. I put in my notes. So you're telling me after all this, all these years of craziness, you don't have a beat my brother's ass kit somewhere in the house. (laughs) Like, like all over the house. Like John like, Wick style. Let me start beating up yes. cement and get my shit ready. Like You haven't happening? gone and had lessons. You haven't done self-defense classes. They were kind of good old boys. And so obviously we weren't allowed to have guns on campus. And my principal was like, I have weapons hidden all over this <laughs> campus. And by weapons, she meant like, golf clubs, baseball bats. Like she had shit hidden everywhere because she was like, if shit goes down, she's going to be ready. I'm going to be ready as you should. Yeah. As you should. And I feel like that should be something that's inherently obvious for most women, because unfortunately we are put in a lot of situations that are unsafe. And so we always have to kind of keep that in the front of our minds yeah all right so now she's got her get ready and then ll comes to the door and she was swinging that get again and he's looking at her like he looked at her like i'll bitch i may i might punch you in the face if you don't get that gun out of my face i mean she gets it together and she gets a plan she says i'm gonna go find the kids y'all fix the phone lines and we're gonna meet at the gate I don't know why the gate was like the destination when you're out in the open, but yeah, whatevs. So 
Then we see Charlie. I guess that's Alan Parrish's name. <laughs> yeah. Charlie is trying to. Okay. So Charlie and baby Jody Lynn O'Keefe were getting, they got the snacks and stuff. And he went downstairs to go pop the bottles uh, with the wine opener. Yeah. This scene gave me a lot of anxiety because I am very scared of a garbage, garbage disposal. And I never, I don't care what happens. I never put my fucking hand in there ever. And so the wine opener drops in there and he's putting his hand in there. So of course that's giving us the anticipation that Michael, cause we can see Michael approaching that he's going to turn on the thing, but he doesn't. And when apparently, he t- um, Jamie Lee Curtis wanted him to, she, she vouched for <laughs> grinding his hand into a stump and the director went in a different it would have been cool. direction. And, um, the actor Adam Han Bird was like, because she told him she's like, I tried, I tried to give you a stump, and he's like, I guess I owe a bottle of scotch to someone. <laughs> Quite sure who. I just think yes, it, I think it's weird the amount of potential jump scares there were in this movie that were kind of annoying. Like they weren't really jump scares. It's just it was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It did not make me feel scared. It just was annoying. But this scene, the way that he turned around to uh, and see Michael, his, his response was, hi. Oh, <laughs> that man, that mask, that mask looks like a white man wearing white face. And that is a scary motherfucking thing to me with his eyes poked. That, that mask is scary. So there were two versions of the mask the original version and then they tried to update it i don't know why the fuck they would even fuck with the original mask yeah that was weird um so then in some scenes because they did reshoots some scenes is the new mask some scenes is the old mask and then i read something where they cgi'd some of the masks yeah and so like it looked like it when it was just the regular michael myers mask perfect the other mask looked like they did like a plaster experiment on their face (laughs) and like that's just what they went with it looks like the white chicks makeup yes it's very weird but we know where the budget went now for the bus seats (laughs) mask absolutely (laughs) so now this is where the party starts really that's where uh yeah danielle the killing gets going (laughs) okay um well i mean we got a couple at the beginning but it's been pretty mild up until now and so charlie (laughs) charlie has no plan (laughs) charlie just is like hi yeah (laughs) um, dead hey yeah so charlie dead but we don't know where we do not see charlie um get killed no and Alan Parrish, I can't remember which is, his name again. Which is which sucks because I feel like okay, this is a slasher film. I want to see the blood splurt. I want to see how Michael kills him after he says hi. <laughs> Did he take the corkscrew and drill it into his trachea? Like I want to see it. So Adam Hanbird was asked, "Do you think that your character Charlie put up a fight?" 
And he said, I would like to, but Charlie <laughs> was more of a lover of, than a fighter. So I don't think so. <laughs> so anyway, we see um, Sarah, Jody Lynn O'Keefe's character downstairs or upstairs. I can't remember. She, she comes, I don't know where she starts. She's downstairs. But she's downstairs. downstairs because yeah. she goes into the kitchen. Right. Because there's kitchens on multiple levels. So she's, she's she, in the downstairs kitchen. Charlie's in the upstairs kitchen. And she's trying to keep, she keeps on trying to open doors and realizing everything's locked. And I think she doesn't think it's weird because she knows everyone is gone. Mm-hmm. So that maybe they locked everything. Um, but that would have creeped me out that I can't, there's no exits for me. Always got to have a second way out. Yeah, 100%. Um, she hears the dumbwaiter going. And so she goes to investigate. It's Charlie. He did. And so <sighs> she s- starts freaking the fuck out. She turns around. Michael has now made his way to downstairs kitchen. And so she she attempts to get away. She, she climbs into the dumbwaiter with Charlie and, and I would have pushed up. I would have pushed Charlie out. She has it. She hesitated. I would have pushed him out of the way and then got in there. I was very frustrated when she was getting out of the dumbwaiter. What was she caught on? Like his leg. See her foot was caught under the leg. Yeah. And then Michael cuts the rope to the dumbwaiter and it falls and crushes her leg. And so you think it's like, she just, her legs broken or something. And so she, she continues, like she finally pulls it out after like her leg has been crushed in the dumbwaiter. That bitch is hanging on by like tendons and skin. Oh, it's so bad. And she, we, we missed the fact that Michael actually got a good stab in her thigh oh, yes. as she was getting into the dumbwaiter. So she's bleeding him on like that one leg. You might as well pop a socket Barbie and get a new leg. Cause it's, <laughs> it's not looking good. She can't move. There's nothing she can do. She's dead. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so Michael comes in. I mean, she's like crawling on the ground, but yeah. Yeah. Peace out, Sarah. And then the other two idiots. Okay. First of all, why did they need so many candles in that room? That would have given me so much anxiety of a fire starting. There were mm-hmm. so many candles. They have a fire hazard going and they're like, Oh, what's that? I wonder what that is. Oh, I wonder what they're doing. I'm just frustrated and they go and they to go see what's going on and they see not even like a trail it's a like a river of blood and there's no panic that happens with these two they keep moving forward towards where they're like oh what's that there was a weird noise <sighs> and now what's that yeah not Ugh. smart um and then they go and they look in the pantry and Jody Leno Keith's body is hung from the light fixture in the Jesus. pantry. So that's when we start to panic. We actually have to see a body. The blood wasn't <laughs> enough. They turn around. There's Michael with his classic head tilt. Oh my God. <laughs> I would play possum. I would play my <laughs> I I would, you would see me 
sorry. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I'm gonna head out. <laughs> Just pass the fuck out. Do it again. <laughs> I'm gonna head out. fucking getting stabbed to death. <laughs> I'm gonna play possum. I'm gonna rub up in that blood. <laughs> Didn't you forget you already killed me? <laughs> you be wheeling and dealing. Hey, I'll help you. You want me to cut this bitch? I'll cut this bitch. <laughs> that hair, that burned up hair you got going up at the top. I can do a trim trim real quick. Whatever you need, homie. I'm your new bestie. <laughs> so we um yes, now they're fighting Michael. He they climb out the window. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote out window, so they must have climbed out a window. Um, he grabs they're they're now running in the forest um he grabs michelle williams hair and i mean john turns around and punches the bitch so not michelle three three times he punches michael myers and it does nothing nothing robot but i mean solid effort not mad at it um yeah she gets away but Michael stabs John in the leg and then Molly hits Michael in the head with a rock. So, I mean, they're fighting back. Yeah. Not mad at it at all. At all. What I am Um, mad about is this bitch dropping them keys. Yes. So they get to the front gate of the headmistress house and it has a gate around it. And so they have to get in and Okay, so did you ever see the Sesame Street movie Follow That Bird? Um, was it the one where he's traveling around the country? He's like a circus steals him. Yeah, and yes. Have him on display. That's trauma. Please let's not talk more. I that movie made as a child made me so fucking sad. How they took Big Bird. What was that? Like painted that- a blue oh big bird anytime anyone has to open anything with a huge ring of keys because they're trying to yes break big bird out yes and and they're trying to be quiet about it and they're like trying every key that's always in my brain seared in my brain (laughs) is trying to get big bird out of the cage anyway so they have like the big janitor's ring of keys molly's trying to unlock the gate michael's gaining on them they finally get inside the gate that bitch drops the keys outside the fucking gate she's trying to reach for him michael's upon her and so she finally brings her arm in and the distance between the gate and the front door is not that big and michael has his arm through and he is slashing (laughs) as hard as he can and them bitches are like back against the front door like sunken chin in yeah trying to be they were thinking thin thoughts because they were not about to get slashed that day and they're like trying to still knock on the door to be let in and stuff so michael finally was like oh keys so he changes his plan (laughs) why doesn't he okay i don't 
maybe he has limited visibility in that mask. I think he's just, yeah. Um, so Lori finally hears them, lets them in, slams the door just in time. And then it is this scene behind which you. I, yes. Uh, for those watching <laughs> it's the window has this little porthole or the door has this little porthole window and Lori comes face to face with <laughs> Michael Myers and it is just like chef's it's, kiss like the scene is perfect the other the only other porthole situation that's even comes close to this scene is from parent trap that's it yes <laughs> we're gonna rank our portholes yes <laughs> <laughs> and so that now they're in the house you know a bitch is gonna find his way in well too many windows too are, many doors are they in the house or are they in the, the are they back in the school i thought are they the in school. the school yeah because know. there's like cafeteria tables later oh they, yeah they're back in the school okay um, you know, and so she goes and locks the um, uh, Molly and John in a closet, tells them don't come out, and she's got her get ready to go, and <laughs> and then I, you know what I would have really loved, I would have really loved if if Lori kept kept her gun, and was the one shooting but she gives it to her boyfriend this bitch ain't shooting nothing but lights wasting bullets and he he at the moment we believe he's killed a local j's character yeah because he's just wildly shooting and ll was just coming in to help and he gets shot multiple times she's like like, (laughs) she's like rubbing in his blood you're doing all this instead of trying to stop compressed to stop the blood check for his pulse like absolutely fucking useless they're just both crying he's like i didn't mean nobody's around here homie whatever but then here comes michael with his chef's butcher knife stabs up boyfriend but this is where the disbelief comes in you're telling me michael you out here in the the, in the yard being able to press like 200 pound men with a butcher knife he lifted that man with just the butcher knife with him like a fucking chicken skewer <laughs> like well, in a previous halloween movie he did the same thing with a scalpel and a nurse just kidding it's a trademark it's stupid that's what it is it's <laughs> <laughs> real stupid yes yeah, so will is no more uh michael walks by because like she she starts running back down the hallway to get the kids out of the closet but she opens another closet and her hands obviously are covered in blood so michael sees that on the door handle and opens it and she comes in clutch with that fire extinguisher so the the thing of what about the closet which i appreciated the call call back to halloween too um was the fact that she, when she got to the closet and just realized it was another closet situation she's like fuck this again because obviously he tried to kill her in the goddamn mm-hmm. closet before 
So she tricks him. He thinks she's in there. She she gets him with the sure. extinguisher. And then she goes and gets those two teeny boppers, heads to the car. Well, so when she gets them out of the closet, this is the second time we see him do. No, the first time we see him do the weird pivot sit up, (laughs) takes his head out and gets up to go back after them. So, yes, we are now in the car. Uh, She's having trouble getting the car started. The car didn't seem to have car travels earlier just another horror movie trope that when you need the car to fucking start it's not starting and michael is he he walks so damn slow but he catches up with them he hits the window she's finally able to hit the gas the funny story is that jamie lee curtis's stunt double doesn't realize that in this scene where she's going to press really hard on oh on the like brakes or whatever she does she doesn't realize that this is an older car and it has like a pushback so it fucking breaks this bitch's leg her foot her her foot yeah a bone protrudes out of the skin of her foot yeah it recoiled so badly and she was so nice about it like she didn't want to panic michelle williams or josh harnett so she just quietly calls for somebody to come and then tells them to call the ambulance but Jamie Lee Curtis was so sweet and just cradled her and talked to her the whole time to keep her okay before the um, EMS came and they she even played a joke and was just like which of the EMS's EMS guys were cuter just to keep her mind off of it that you know gotta she's love such Jamie. a mom so yes, they're in the thick of it. They get to the gate and she, she sends the kids away. Yeah. She She's sends like, them. I mean, the Becker's house yeah. down the street, which is a callback to the Mackenzie's house from Halloween, which was which, a callback to Scream. Sorry. Yes. No. <laughs> go. She tells them to go to the Becker's, which is a callback to Scream, which in Scream, Casey Becker her parents say go down to the Mackenzie's house which is a callback to the original Halloween movie yeah that's what I said <laughs> keep <laughs> drinking that white claw <laughs> <laughs> so um she sends the kids to get help she takes a rock to that fucking keypad and she's like this is where we fucking nut up or shut up I'm taking care of this bitch yeah she's no gonna more. confront her demons literally and get rid of this fucker and so she takes the fire axe and she's ready yeah she's not she's not afraid anymore she doesn't give a shit she's going to kill fucking michael yeah one of them is gonna die yosemite or die (laughs) (laughs) um and Um, this is where my belief was suspended when he was somehow holding himself above a pipe and then like slowly one arm lets himself down <laughs> behind her yeah he's got some real strong upper upper body strength for sure <laughs> so she turns around like axes him in the shoulder that shit sticks 
Like <laughs> he literally just plucks it out. Like, oh, I got a splinter. Let's keep going. Shall we dance? <laughs> yes, we shall. That's when they run into what looks like it kind of looks like a chapel and kind of looks like a dining hall. Yeah, be sure. <laughs> and maybe it's a dual situation. I don't know. Um, and so she's under the tables and I'm like, this is not, this is not a great plan, Lori. Like you're trapped now. And then Michael climbs on top of the table she's under. And I'm like, flip that fucking table, knock him on his ass and grab a weapon and just like slash till you can't slash no more. Come on, have a plan. But she doesn't, she just keeps doing these army rolls from one table to another she does kick a chair to kind of distract him to get out and try and get away and now he's just he's flipping tables I'm like see Michael had the right idea I don't know what you were fucking doing so then she grabs a flagpole stabs him the flagpole breaks in half so now she has another weapon and then she somehow runs into the kitchen pulls out the entire drawer of knives and just starts chucking knives at him. But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis took umbrage with this scene. So in the commentary, Jamie Lee Curtis yells, don't drop the freaking knife as Lori drops the knife. (laughs) And then she says, oh, I could punch her in the nose right now. And then she adds that they the I guess writers made her drop the knife in the first movie and isn't sure why she didn't learn from her mistakes so Lori is chucking knives not doing a great job again she missed a knife day of her combat training but she does hold up the drawer he stabs it so she's able to wrestle his knife away from him and she starts stabbing him doesn't um they're not in the when she stabs him it's like they're back in that dining room again um I guess he chases I'm not sure if he chases her but I think she twists it kind of pushes him and then he comes after her and I mm-hmm. I, I think they she stabs him but she stabs him good w- a few times and, and then he he has his back against a railing and he flips backwards over the railing falls onto a table she runs down she's ready to finish the job like she gonna keep stabbing that bitch and then miraculously ll cool j is still alive and he stops her and it gave me a feeling of i know what you did last summer again when people were trying to stop sarah michelle geller's character helen from running to go see what the hell happened to roided out barry um like ronnie do you realize how many fucking people this man has killed? <laughs> Let her cut him, cut his head off. Let her slit his throat. Like that it bitch needs to be gone, gone. Not just like, okay, he was stabbed. He's dead. No, he's fucking immortal. I don't know what the fuck he did, but he has superpowers. <laughs> yeah. He needs to be beheaded. Yeah. But we're getting to that. So then we see the ambulance again with the budget because that was not an ambulance that was a pedo van (laughs) that wasn't the ambulance that was the coroner's um van oh well that's 
I'm just saying what it is. It's, it's a coroner's van. It and- was it was one of those white panel vans with no windows that they just stuck a coroner's like logo, <laughs> logo on the on side it. of. Um, and so she's like, they're, they're she's all bandaged up. Obviously, they've taken care of her, and then she just is like, "Nah, and son." Michael's like, playing possum again. Mm-hmm. So he's in the body bag, but she's like, I can't like this bitch got to go and I need to make sure this bitch is dead. So she steals a gun from a cop's holster, pretty much holds everyone up so that she can steal the coroner van and is now wildly driving down these mountainous roads, trying to keep an eye on the body bag in the back because she knows. She knows he's, he's not dead. He's playing possum. She knows she been been there, done that. Yeah. So she, I, I don't know what exactly her plan was. Um, her plan was she was going to kill this bitch. She was. I think well, her plan is exactly. What, I think she was going to just go off the cliff. I, I don't know. So yes, uh, the bag starts moving. We as the viewer see the bag start moving before she does. Um, but she finally sees the bag start moving. Like he's starting to open it up. He does the sit up thing again. <laughs> and um, he looks confused. He looks like he was just reborn. Like he doesn't <laughs> know what's going on. And so she, she slams on the brakes. He flies through the windshield. And then she's like, come on, get up, get up. Cause she knows. Yep. That's not the end. He stands, he gets up on his feet and is standing there and she hits him and just drives off the side of a cliff, which I'm like, she's not living. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. She was thrown from the car. That car, like at least 50 feet down a ravine, just flippy, flippy, flippy all the way down. The car lands at the bottom and pins Michael to a tree trunk. And so she gets up. She still has her, her ax that she took along with the police officer's gun. Which miraculously did not stab her in the the tuck and roll of the car. Or like was flung out and is now like nowhere to be found. Yeah. So I, I did write and make a note. There's no way she's alive. (laughs) The van is now catching on fire. And Michael kind of looks at her. She says, Michael, he does this weird thing where he like is like feeling his mask. And then he reaches out for her. She starts to reach out for him because deep down, she still has this sense of like. That they're family and there's something wrong with Yeah. Like there's that empathetic. Um, connection but then she was like oh no what the fuck am I doing um and so she pulls her hand back and she just decapitates him one fell swoop his head (laughs) rolls into the bushes it goes to black and then fucking creed plays and that was like I was like oh way to take me out of the movie creed (laughs) All I said to myself was before she cut his head off, I would have cut his hands off. Bitch, you can't be stabbing people with no hands, whether you're dead or alive. Well, I guess you can if you're dead. 
(laughs) (laughs) So the reasoning for like that little moment where he's kind of confused, like you said, Mm -hmm. um, when he first gets up and then um, when he's like feeling his mask is because it's not explicitly stated in this movie, but then in the next movie, it's um, known that Michael has actually replaced his body, his body in air quotes, with the body of a paramedic when they came to get him from the school. And so it wasn't actually Michael that she decapitated. And Jamie Lee Curtis knew this about this storyline, even though it wasn't explicit in the movie, because she said, even though Jamie Lee herself knew that was the outcome to Lori, it was done. Yes. And so she could feel good about the way the movie ended because Lori accomplished in her mind what she set out to do, which is take care of Michael. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Halloween H2O. And I'm going to drink some water to that. (laughs) So let's look at the facts we did not get to. The Michael actor also played Ghostface. And Michael had been played by a variety of actors and stuntmen over the decades. In H2O, he's played by Chris Durand, who also appeared as Ghostface in Scream 2, which was written by Kevin Williamson and released a year earlier. Like we said, Scream 2 can also be seen playing on a TV in the girls' dorm room. But they were actually watching I Married an Axe Murderer when they were filming. They put Scream 2 on later in post and compounding that which stars mike myers they asked mike myers to do a cameo Mm -hmm. like jamie lee curtis wanted him to just be walking down the street while she was in town and she just does a little double take and keeps walking Mm -hmm. but he declined which why i mean he's canadian and very nice he hasn't (laughs) done anything very (laughs) brutal i haven't seen him do he was in a movie called so i married an axe murderer but it was still a comedy he has not done a darker film if you think about it i guess i just missed opportunity mike myers come on i guess so jamie lee curtis considers this film a thank you note to her fans what she believes without that early career i truly don't think i would have been an actor which i i always appreciate when actors know where their bread and butter is coming from Instead of people who get really big from something and all they're doing is trying to outrun it. Lean in, bitch. Lean in. (laughs) LL Cool J improvised a line, comb your hair, inspired by Josh Hartnett's messy haircut. Was that a haircut? Like what was happening with his hair? I, you know, honestly, I don't, I think it's just a vibe and I don't mind it. I know we, we joke around about it, but I, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but they sure as hell, they dragged his ass for that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> During one of the scenes at school, Charlie tells Josh Harnett's character, John, 20 years from now, you're still going to be living with her, probably running some weird motel in the middle of nowhere which is obviously a reference to Psycho, starring Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, Janet Lee. Josh Hartnett made his film debut in Halloween H2O and then in The Faculty 
They were released four months apart. Both were big hits that year and it was only possible for him though, because he filmed them at the same time. Timeline wise, HGO was technically the first one he started on. That's why he's given an introducing credit at the beginning of it and not the faculty. I had no idea. And Mm -hmm. uh, apparently this was relevant because Paul Rudd had a similar situation in 95 because he started his career with Clueless and also did Halloween six in the same year. And they both did pretty well. So Josh Harnett, just keeping the tradition alive. Yep. The director and writers decided to treat this movie as if the Halloween's three through six never took place. This was a decision made to keep the plot simple and focus on the Lori character. I appreciated it. Like it was a pretty simple, straightforward plot. And I I liked it. This was also the first film in the series to be released in the summer. All the other films since, including the Rob Zombie um, one, followed this trend with exception to Halloween that came out in 2018 which came out around Halloween. And now we're seeing Halloween Kills, which is also coming out around Halloween. And Jamie Lee Curtis said in the commentary track that for her, as far as she's concerned, the movie starts at one hour and nine minutes and 28 seconds when Lori sends the kids for help, but stays behind a face off against Michael and director Steve Miner had commented on receiving late night phone calls from Jamie Lee Curtis worried and complaining about the state of the script. They both agreed that Kevin Williamson's uncredited contributions made for a much better film. Nurse Marion Chambers winning Whittington previously survived against Michael and Halloween Um, when he escaped from Smith's Grove Sanitarium by trying to strangle her inside the car. In this, she's not so lucky. Obviously, she gets her throat slashed by Michael with his infamous butcher knife. And one month after the film was released, Jamie Lee Curtis got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And lastly, Jamie Lee Curtis refers to the film as Field of Screams. If you build it, they will come. And she was not wrong because this (laughs) movie made bank. Oh, boy. So, Jackie, now that we've gone through all the facts, we've finished the movie. What is your rating of this movie? Like I said, I was not mad at this movie at all. Um, I would say a solid five-day rental. Um, obviously, I did not opt to purchase it for $16.99, but yeah. it was a solid $4 investment to watch around spooky season. How about you, Danielle? I didn't hate it as much as like some of the other things <laughs> we watched. I didn't hate it. I just, I, I very much liked that it was short and sweet. I I liked a lot of the elements. I liked that Lori's character finally took a hold of the narrative. Yeah, I I liked a very strong female protagonist. I'm in between a five-day rental and a two-day rental, but because I'm in a good mood, thanks to White Claw, we're going to go (laughs) five-day. Going to go five-day rental. White Claw going to sponsor us? (laughs) Getting Danielle through her (laughs) spooky season movies. (laughs) Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're not going to do your normal me undies plug. 
Uh, I did get a new package of Mandy's today. <laughs> I got a couple more sports bras, which are super comfy and have really cute designs. I got some mauve colored masks to match more <laughs> of my fits. And I got some undies. I got Pisces undies so I can be repping my sign. I'm just living in a Mandy's world, hoping one day they they see me. I'm just trying to live in your MeUndies world with you, Jackie. (laughs) If you think that MeUndies should be sponsoring this podcast, or you just want to tell us about this movie or any other movies we've done in the past, or you want to recommend a movie that we haven't done yet, hit us up on the socials. We are at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. And also, you can be featured on an episode. Tell them how, Jackie. Yes, actually, we have a quick drop this week from Yay. our Patreon bestie, Laura. Apparently, she had a memory unlocked during the scary movie episode. Take it away, Laura. Funny story about scary movie. I think I was like 13. So if it was in 2000, yeah, Gus was 10, I was 13, and we saw the previews and we were like, oh, how funny, it's just a spoof movie, and we asked my dad to go take us, watch it, and like, we saw that movie with my dad. It was not appropriate for a 10 and a 13-year-old to be watching with their parent, and yet, there we were, and we stayed. We didn't leave the theater, so like... And if you would like to be featured on a future episode, you can hit up our quick drop. The number is 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. Share your unlocked memories, feedback, suggest future movies, what you liked and disliked, corrections. If you have blockbuster video stories, your favorite moments, advocate for us to get some freaking sponsors. (laughs) anything we love to hear from you and if you'd like to be featured for quick drop and you're international you can head to our anchor page and leave us a voice message there and if you like what we're doing please consider leaving us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. it helps us and in turn helps you because we can put out more content if we get more followers (laughs) and and it gets us more listeners so we're very excited about that And if you like what we're doling out here at the No More Late Fees podcast, there's more for you to enjoy. You could be one of our Patreon besties by going to patreon.com slash no more late fees. We've got exclusive content, stickers, ask me anything, polls, bonus videos, lives, and Spotify playlists. I've been working on the Spotify playlist. Oh, nice. And that was not as easy as one would think because <laughs> I only have one CD that is labeled. So I've literally got a stack of all of my CDs are labeled good songs and a date. That's it. <laughs> all of my burned mixes are good songs and a date. So I have to sit and listen. <laughs> and the sad thing is I hear the first like three words and I'm like, oh, that's pictures by Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. And then I go to our Spotify playlist and add it to my good songs, 2005 playlist. So 
I have been working on my playlist for y'all. Please consider being a Patreon bestie so that you can enjoy those because it is a hot, eclectic mess. Let me tell you, I was all over the fucking place. If you would like to enjoy the randomness that is Jackie's playlist, uh, please hit up our Patreon page. Stay tuned next week where we will be talking about the craft with our pod pals from the Room 237 podcast. I'm really excited. I haven't seen the craft in a while and I've been waiting for this moment. I can't wait to have an entire segment that's going to be called Justice for Rochelle. Yeah, it'll be a deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, be kind and rewind.